Alright, what's up guys? I'm back finally and um, we're kind of doing something a little different from the rankings. Uh, decided to actually go through every division. Uh, so today we're actually doing the AFC North and the AFC South. Now if you guys notice, I said we. I'm joined by either Elmo or Yoda. I'm not sure who's here right now. What's up, guys? This is this is Alex the Fancy Gridiron. Yes, I am a man of many talents. You guys, if you know me from Instagram, but yeah, I can talk regular. And I can also talk like Emma. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good too. Yeah. So, might might be jumping through characters as we go through this podcast. I'm here to entertain you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, before we start, I just wanted to mention first of all, if you guys aren't already following. Uh, Gridiron Instagram. Make sure you go do that. His username is Fantasy Gridiron, and I'm, I see you got the dot removed. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Wow. How was the procedure? Uh, shoot a message out when I first came back, and he didn't reply until two months later. So hey, it worked out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just Fantasy Gridiron. Search up on Instagram. Sure, it'll be the first one that pops up. But uh, yeah. So and also one more thing before we start. Uh, I know. The fantasy footballers do something similar to this where they break it down division by division so uh, i thought it was a good idea and it's great to kind of cover every aspect in fantasy as fast as possible so just all credit to them in terms of style of this podcast and uh, the future ones to come out so uh, yeah without further ado let's get into it and mm-hmm. first getting into it <laughs> <laughs> just keep going i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay no, it's still recording. We're good. Um, so first getting into it, we're going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, uh, looking at this team last year, Big Ben finished as a top five quarterback for, I think it was like the first time in a very long time. Uh, James Conner was a top 10 running back. Le'Veon Bell, obviously, with the holdout. Juju Smith and Antonio Brown, both up there. But now Antonio Brown is gone. Le'Veon Bell is officially no longer with the team. They've added some depth at wide receiver. But uh, let's start with the quarterback position. So what's your feeling on Big Ben? Personally, I have him outside the top 15. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But what do you feel about Big Ben? Well, with Big Ben, um, the last couple of years, like you saw last year, he finished as a QB3. And it really helped out that there was really an emergence of Juju Smith-Schuster really taking the role as the wide receiver 2, kind of like wide receiver 1 role whenever AB was off the field. Juju Smith-Schuster really performed as a great wide receiver one, um, which that's what we saw Juju Smith-Schuster finish as the wide receiver eight. And he actually finished above Antonio Brown as the as the uh, most targets in that. But Ben Rosberger really, uh, really helped out his performance uh, with having those two elite wide receivers out. Now, with the departure of AB, I do expect Ben Rosberger to slip a little bit uh, because he doesn't have that weapon there anymore. Um, now there's still decent amount of weapons are surrounding him in the wide receiver two role. There's kind of a battle between Moncrief and uh, Dave, James Washington. Um, so I expect him to bounce back and kind of go back in his ways for his first couple of years when he had Heath Miller, if you know the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to start focusing on the tight end, and they're going to push back to having that ground and pound game. So I don't expect him to be uh, another top eight quarterback but i could see him flirting with being a top 10 so his his current adp is dra- like being drafted between the eighth round or the ninth round uh, or 10th round if you're really waiting yeah probably even farther yeah depending on if you're really a believer in him so i say don't expect him to hit the qb3 or Q- top top eight qbs for fantasy uh, but he's a decent uh weekly matchup based quarterback yeah, and you know the big thing about Ben Roethlisberger for me is the fact that he had 675 pass attempts last year. And mm-hmm. if you look at his career as a whole, the three years before that, 561, 509, 469. So mm-hmm. 675 isn't something he hits often. It's actually a really big outlier. And if he doesn't throw that many passes, he doesn't obviously get that many fantasy points. So especially with him getting older... And there were retirement rumors a couple years ago. He got paid, so he's sitting pretty now. But um, point being, he lost to Antonio Brown. And like you said, I I think that's going to have a huge impact on him. I know Juju Smith is there, and I know they have other weapons, so that's fine. But another thing, too, is they lost their offensive line coach. Now, uh, he's been with the team for a very, very long time. He's kept that offensive line in tip-top shape for years and years and years. 
So with him being gone, I mean, like, look, it's the same line. So there isn't that huge of a worry. But if a couple guys start going down to injury, that's that's when I'm going to get concerned because it's really going to be about how they hold up. So I, I don't know. It's uh, not a huge, huge factor. But overall, I'm not a huge fan of Big Ben. He's not someone who typically finishes inside the top ten. And I really don't see it happening at all. And plus, with quarterback being so deep, I have him just so far down the list. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's tell me not. Quarterback is the hardest position to rank this year. It's literally impossible because between, like, 12 and 21, it could be, like, any order between all those guys. All those guys. So it's... It, a, lot of fa- a lot of factors come into play, and we have to, in order to get an accurate, like, ranking when it comes to quarterbacks, you have to look at, like, multiple, like, 10 factors to, to try to make it work and then you have to put in try to make a game script for the season what how is it how is it going to roll and injuries really can screw over a quarterback as well yeah for sure as for every position you know injuries and an, another factor for ben roethlisberger just saying one more thing is mm-hmm. that people tend to forget they did lose their right tackle in marcus gilbert he went. And, he obviously got what well, got signed with the Arizona Cardinals. So now they have an open spot in the right right tackle position. Uh, so hopefully they can still protect him. But if not, that's definitely going to cause some cause some uh, rush passes from Roethlisberger, like we know he has that tendency to do, and most likely going to still be in that double digit range for uh, interceptions. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm expecting Roethlisberger to go back to his inconsistent, maybe like home game, home player kind of guy. But, uh, yeah, let's, moving on to running backs, I mean, I'm expecting a little bit of a committee this year. I know it's not typically what they do, and I know the running back position in Pittsburgh for a while has been fantasy gold. But my point is, like, first of all, the running back coach is was Jalen Samuels' running back coach in college. And they have Benny Snell on the team, who's also very capable of starting. Um, I, I don't know. I just... I, I don't think James Conner is as safe as a lot of people might think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> I don't really know what else to add about that. It's just, and look, as a player, he's good. But that offensive line has made a lot of players look good. I truly think Le'Veon Bell is going to struggle in New York, but that's another topic for another podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think that line can make anyone look good. And D'Angelo Williams, I think he was like 33 he came in and he proved that that one season and he finishes like a top 10 running back. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. If there's a split, it could be trouble. And like you said, they're missing the right tackle. So there's already issues starting with the offensive line. So. And, I, and I understand the concern about James Conner, but looking at just his, like historically, I know that they do have uh, Jalen Samuels, former running back coach there. But history has shown, and Mike Tom is not going to allow things to change up too much. They're gonna. History has shown that they utilize the running back and have the RB one as a workhorse. Uh, the last last three years, barring injury, uh, even when D'Angelo Williams came in and took over for the ten games that he started, he averaged twenty carries per game, and that's usually how it how it is for the running back for the Steelers. Yeah, I know that they lost Gilbert, but they still have great guards surrounding him and and DeCastro and uh, who's the the other guy? As well as uh, Raymond Foster. Villanueva was the left tackle. But Mm -hmm. James Conner, with the loss of that that offensive, that passing weapon in Antonio Brown, I could see them utilizing and leaning on the running game even more. Now, if they do spread the touches around, that's not that big of a deal. They're probably going to pushed Roethlisberger not to be throwing over 5,000 yards, obviously. So, like we said, expect him to probably go drop to, like, 4,200. And a lot more carries, a lot more run-based play-action plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, which that will definitely help out James Conner's value. So, he's currently being ADP. His ADP has been dropping ever since the media fog of people saying, have him shooting his mouth up saying, oh, I think the touch is going to be spread a little bit. I'm like, you James Conner, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. You're just a player. So unless I hear something from the actual offensive coordinator or the head coach, I can't. I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt. I no. I I think I did see something with the coach saying they want to spread the ball a little more, but I, I could be wrong. I probably should have looked that up before. No, but they're gonna they're gonna do like like we all have seen having two backs out there and Jalen Samuels is more than just a running back he can line up in the tight end position as well fullback spot he's he's kind of like a, a Swiss army knife 
So both Connor yeah. and Samuels can be on the field at the exact same time. Um, so Connor, I still expect him to get at least 70% of the workload back there, which is solid as an RB1 that you're getting in the mid to early second round. Right now it's like mid-second round with elite top top eight upside for a running back. All right, I, I can get him over that. But now what's really important here, obviously I think we're both same page, Juju Smith. I mean, he's got top five upside, especially with a begun, so we don't really need to go too much in depth on that. But what we want to know is who's going to be the number two target in Pittsburgh. And this is including Vance McDonald as someone who can step up and be the number two target. So um, my money right now is going to be on Dante Moncrief. I mean, that's just my take. But is is there a guy you like better than Moncrief? I did post about James, James Washington earlier when I first came back. And I did like what I was seeing from James Washington. But this is... This is all speculation, and Moncrief is a, is a wily veteran, and when he is on the field, keyword on the dang field, he is he performs quite well. Like even with his time with with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis Colts, he performed well, and he perform he he's a lot more versatile. And he did he's surprisingly well with the Jaguars last year too. I wasn't expecting him to have. I mean, I mean, I feel like a lot of people were expecting him to kind of be shoved behind the depth chart a little bit, but. He actually uh, showed time and time, even with Blake Bortles, that he could be a wide receiver one on that team. So, uh, obviously, it's going to be different in Pittsburgh. And there's a lot of other guys to compete with. I know Deontay Johnson, a lot of people like calling him like similar to AB in terms of build and play style. But uh, he's a rookie, so there's definitely going to be a little bit of a rookie wall his first year. Deontay Johnson can definitely emerge. We need to see how he performs in the preseason. And then, again, if Moncrief does... I'm not trying to predict that he's going to have an injury, but more often than not, Moncrief will be out for at least two to three games, and that will allow James Washington and Deontay Johnson to finally emerge and show what they have. Um, but like like we're trying to figure out who the wide receiver two is, I give the edge for Moncrief because of his experience, and he's actually performing quite well in training camp. And um, just adding on Vance McDonald, there is a chance he can become that second priority target. I mean, he had monster games last year, but that's kind of it. He just had a few monster games spread across. Uh, Jesse James is gone, so that can clear stuff up a little bit. But last, it, it, it's funny to think because last year Vince McDonald actually did finish as a top 10 tight end in uh, PPR. So with a B gun, you can, I mean, the assumption is only up, but uh, I have him just outside the top 10. I think last year was a terrible year for tight ends. So um, for for Vance Vance McDonald, let's just remind ourselves that back in 2014, 2015, Heath Miller, when he was older, slowed down a little bit, he still got over 90 targets per week, per year. So if they do decide to pull away from having two fantastic, like targeting two wide receivers mm-hmm. over a hundred, we could see Vance McDonald because Vance McDonald is no slouch. He's a lot, lot more athletic than we, than we thought. Um, hashtag Chris Conti. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we definitely can definitely see McDonald becoming a, a sneaky top twelve tight end this year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you hit it in the nail saying like, look, this is a guy who has who can have massive upside if he does become that number two type priority target. So uh, definitely something to monitor. Um, Any sleepers from the Steelers? I I, I think one deep guy, Ryan Switzer. Now, not not really anyone's talking about him, but he did have a couple of decent games last year, even with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith there. Um, He wants to, I mean, I saw the report, he wants to be the starting uh, slot wide receiver for the Steelers, and I think he can. I mean, it's all going to see how everything shakes out, but um, yeah, last year he had 47 thar- targets, 36 catches, and just looking at his game logs, I mean, he had a couple 9, 10-point games, he had a 13-point game, So, and, and it was interesting, they are kind of lining him up as a running back in parts of the year as well, when uh, James Conner went down, so maybe like a really, really deep dart throw if you guys are in a bigger league, um, not someone I'm specifically targeting, just like maybe someone keep an eye on. Yeah, especially for PPR leagues. I do like Ryan Switzer just in a PPR league. Um, he is very versatile, great skill set on him, um, very shifty, uh, dating all the way to his time in North Carolina. He was used as a, as a return man there. I like like what I see from him, but we know that the Steelers don't 
like to have just that one little specific uh, slot wide receiver all the time. They they move their wide receivers around. So Switzer's kind of a, a little bit of a smaller build, and he's not very very uh, strong to beat that wide receiver one on the outside or wide receiver two on the outside. All right, so that's that's basically all we want to say about the Steelers. Um, you're not a Steelers fan, are you? I am not, but I do. Uh, I'm not unbiased here. I like I like what they do there, and I like that they kind of keep keep this to the script. But gone are the days of having one of the elite defenses in the league for the Steelers. Their secondary is, is cr- completely atrocious. Oh, so. don't we miss Troy Polamalu and hope Ryan Shazier can get back on the field sometime soon? Yeah, but um, yeah, so. Moving on from the old regime and on to the new regime, regime. we have the Cleveland Browns. Oh, man. Not a team I thought I would be talking about. Not going to lie. But um, here we are. I mean, starting off with Baker, he's a borderline top five quarterback for me. Um, There are some worries I have as far as, first of all, the offensive line, who, who has been pretty good. But um, they didn't really add anyone. I thought they were going to add at least someone with Joe Thomas being gone. But um, what did they add? I don't even know. What the hell am I saying? But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield had 14 interceptions in 14 games. Obviously, hopefully that's something that can improve and he can work on through the offseason. Um, he did not have great chemistry with Jarvis Landry last year. I mean, if you look at the targets in comparison to, like, how many passes he actually caught, he had 148 targets, only 81 receptions. So, definitely some chemistry issues there. Hopefully, But, I mean, Odo Beckham was huge for him. And I think the offense as a whole, as a whole is going to take a huge step forward. I can see him being a top-five quarterback. Any difference of opinion on that? No, with... with Okay, the, so the biggest thing is, like, you were talking about the Jarvis Landry situation with him, the chemistry. Jarvis Landry is not an explosive wide receiver he's not someone that's going to be lined up on the outside and like burn someone that's not how he is that's not his skill set we even dating back to being in the nfl combine the, the man only ran a four six he doesn't have that crazy elite speed but he's very versatile great sure hands which makes him a fantastic slot wide receiver and that wide receiver too um as well as seeing what how he was utilized in miami that's how they used him that's how he should be used mm-hmm. so baker mayfield seeing what he did in in Oklahoma, seeing what he did after they finally fired Jackson and let Freddie Kitchen take over in week nine, Baker Mayfield is more of a deep thrower. He's a gunslinger. He likes to have that 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 wide receiver who can like burn someone, kind of like Antonio Callaway when he had those couple of games where he showed up. Oda Beckham's like arrival to Cleveland will both help Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham because Odell Beckham finally has a quarterback that can actually throw an accurate deep ball. And Baker Mayfield has that weapon. So Baker Mayfield, top 10 upside. I know that people are ranking him as the top 8. Uh, and I'm looking at the schedule for him. The schedule really isn't that that hard for Cleveland this year for, for a quarterback. The only rough ones are week 4 for the Baltimore Ravens and week 16 for the Baltimore Ravens again. <laughs> there really isn't that hard but, of a schedule for the. But for you the know what the thing about the strength of schedule is? I don't really like to look on that. Because a lot of times that can change even after the first week. I remember last year, I was targeting Julio because he went against the Saints, I think, like twice in the fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, great. I really want Julio because the Saints defense sucks. Mm-hmm. And then look what happened halfway through the season. They turned into one of the better defenses in the league. So, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't like taking that into account too much. I know what you're saying, more of like a bonus. Like, you know, something definitely to look at. But... Uh, yeah, it just I don't I don't see it being that effective for players. Yeah, and it's not more of a, I'm not looking at the strength of schedule. I'm just knowing knowing how the secondary is set up for mm-hmm. all the all the the defenses across the board. I know injuries can definitely cause issues, but a lot of the teams there's not going to be very very high scoring games. But we could see Baker Mayfield averaging around one to two touchdowns per week, but racking up some yardage. I like. Baker Mayfield more as a low-end QB1, draft him around the, the 8th or 7th round, which more, more often than not, people are going to snatch him up in the 6th because it's Odo Beckham. He's there, so he's obviously going to make Mayfield be, put up 37 touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. But, which, that's what Baker Mayfield actually did average after week 9 through, seven, through week 17 when Freddie Kitchens took over for play calling. 
Uh, he averaged 37 touchdowns, but like a pure tendency of a gunslinger, he also put up an average of 17 interceptions per game per projection. So 17 interceptions, and eh, he's going to have games where he's going to pull up Brett Favre and throw three interceptions and that one touchdown, or then the next week he throws over three. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i definitely with you. I think he can have some inconsistent games. And like you said, as a gunslinger, that's just kind of what happens. But, uh, you know, let's hope for the best. And getting into Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Odo Beckham, for me, I have him as a top five wide receiver. I think uh, a quarterback upgrade, and yes, Baker is an upgrade from Eli Manning. Yes, very much so. I'm sorry. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> but Jarvis Landry in the slot. Um I have mixed feelings about I do like him especially because what you're saying before I mean last year they tried to play him all over the field they tried to play him deep and uh, he, he is a slot guy he can really excel in that role so if he's solely just playing in the slot then I think he could be a great wide receiver too in PPR he kind of like floats back to that um, b- before he finishes a top 10 with Adam Gase in Miami, he was just kind of like a PPR wide receiver too kind of guy. And I think he's going to get back to that this year. But um, like you said, and another thing too, Baker Mayfield's a gunslinger. So I don't know how many targets Landry's going to see over the middle. And there's actually another guy on that offense that uh, I think will be great on the outside as well. And uh, that's Antonio Callaway. I mean, yep. he, he's someone I'm looking at as a deep sleeper. I mean, he's going to be starting in that wide receiver too, uh, in that wider in the outside wide receiver role for Baker Mayfield. So if Odell Beckham's seeing all the coverage, Antonio Callaway is going to be left alone, uh, not alone, but on one-on-one coverage. Definitely something he could take advantage of, and I hope they do that. Uh, anything you want to add? I do. I do agree that I, I really don't have anything against against anything that you said there with Jarvis Landry. That's pretty much on the. Like you hit it right on the head. Jarvis Landry will be put in the slot. They'll probably put him as a gadget player as well back in the backfield when it comes to uh, shotgun uh, plays when they have Chubb and probably Landry back there. But um, like we saw with Freddie Kitchens, he's going to do a lot more play-action plays and utilizing Nick Chubb and, and his running ability. So when Chubb finally does like become more effective during the game, they're going to run more play-actions, and that's going to bring the safeties up and allow the outside wide receivers who are quite explosive to burn them and then Baker Mayfield is going to have his choice between Beckham or Callaway to uh, make that surefire catch and deep t- deep touchdown. So I think Jarvis Landry, we're going to see him getting around seven to nine uh, targets per week, um, and he has great catch rates, so six to seven per week. But I'm not expecting a touchdown every other week. Maybe like he's going to have a total between six to seven at best this upcoming year for touchdowns. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that. I think, like you said, the touchdowns would probably definitely go down. And uh, Antonio Callaway, if you guys are in a bigger league, if you feel like taking a dart throw with him in the last pick. Oh, absolutely. I think, and I just did a Scott Fishbowl, so I like dress, like snatching up like a Callaway at the end, a wide receiver that has explosiveness and it has a great quarterback that has a good deep deep ball. So I, I like I like Callaway, but Odo Beckham, top five, uh Kind of, kind of a little bit too much for, for my for my blood. I'll put him as a top eight uh, wide receiver for me. But yeah, he has he has that upside. And, and yes, I think one like of you the said, things. Go ahead. No, sorry, <laughs> didn't cut you off. But one of the things that no. Beckham while we're on the subject is he's had issues with injuries as well. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully that's something that can not affect him this year. But uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Definitely something I'd take account as far as the player. <laughs> And it also doesn't help that he was, like, the main focus for, for the first years of being in the Giants. There wasn't really any other weapon there. And then they added Sterling Shepard, and then they added Evan Ingram. Then they finally got a, an actual running back in Saquon Barkley. So him getting injured, there was he was just blanketed with two to three cornerbacks who were just desperate trying to take him down. And funny enough... When he had that horrific ankle injury, it was against the Cleveland Browns, and he had three cornerbacks draped all over him. So, now having those weapons surrounding him now, that Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Antonio Callaway, it's actually going to help him, I expect, to not be focused on that much for the defensive mind. Yeah, I, I can definitely get on board with that. I'm all about Odell Beckham. All <laughs> I, I know. I understand. I understand your rankings there. I, I and I, I can I can see where you're coming from. So, 
let's get into Nick Chubb, and this is this is this is uh-huh. this is not the easy part here because we got Nick Chubb, we got Kareem Hunt, we got Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson just got a new agent who I believe helped another player get traded not too long ago. So it looks like Duke Johnson's still looking for that trade, and there's a good chance he can still get it. Um, Kareem Hunt suspended for eight games. The Browns, I think, of a bye week. Is it ten or seven? I don't even remember. It's eight. It's eight, I believe. By week eight, something yeah. like that. Either way. And, no, I I was just saying. Either way, it's going to be a total of like nine weeks. That no, I think it's ten. I think it's eight weeks, and then the nine, the week nine game, and then buy in ten, and then back at eleven. Mm. I think that's the case. But either way, Kareem Hunt is not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> You guys missed it before we started the podcast for a good five, ten minutes. Do the Elmo thing. Yeah, so we went through Elmo, we went through Yoda, and we're just kind of like having a little fun with that. I wish I could have recorded some of that. But. <laughs> draft Nick Chubb, you will. Now, would you consider drafting Nick Chubb in the beginning of the second? No, there's way, there's way too other options there. I like Nick Chubb. I like I like his skill set. Again, I, he has he kind of reminds me of Terrell Davis. Like he Terrell Davis wasn't crazy tall. He was more of a stocky running back, um, very shifty when need, needed. And he has a great offensive line in front of him as well with Nick Chubb. Um, I would gladly take his value in the mid to late second round. Um, but as with those weapons surrounding him, I could see Cleveland Browns. Uh, utilizing Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry even more. Uh, there's plenty of other options there. I actually like totally off off board here, mm-hmm. not part of the AFC North or AFC South. I like Damian Williams over Nick Chubb this year just because of the pure upside of Damian Williams. And Damian Williams currently, weirdly enough, with that current ADP, he's only getting drafted in like the fourth or fifth rounds because, like, and that's obviously not our rankings. That's not our current mocks. I've seen Damian Williams go in the beginning of the third, your late second. Oh, yeah, that's the ones that we're in, right? Our mocks, but the ADPs that we're that I'm looking at right now, from ESPN to Yahoo, he's getting drafted in the fourth, like late third, early fourth. Interesting. And and I'm like, okay, for the regular fancy owner, if you can get that value in the third or fourth, then I would easily pass up Nick Chubb and just get that sol- solid wide receiver two, a wide receiver one in Running the second. Back. Well, yeah, just wait, wait on your RB two. Or RB one. Oh, I thought I thought you were calling me. Wider. I'm so tired. <laughs> no, you're good. It's early in the morning. Uh, yeah, it's so funny because I think I recorded the podcast with Faraz not too long ago, mm-hmm. and like we started recording it at like eleven o'clock, and like I was so tired through the whole thing. He's like, "What is this? Too early in the morning for you?" He's like, "I get up at five in the morning." Yeah, because he uh, has a child, and I have a child, and you're just that living that solo life. Uh, I was up late last night updating the draft gate. I was up till like 3.30 in the morning. Damn. <laughs> so if you guys didn't already have it, get the draft kit. I put work into it. Anyway, Kareem Hunt, do you think he's going to be a factor this year? I, In the beginning, I personally thought he was going to. But looking more at it, I mean, the contract he has, he's not guaranteed to make anything. And he's not going to be with the team for eight whole weeks. He's going to come back, have that quick week nine game. And if he wants to be part of the game plan, it may not be until after week 11. So, um, and look, that's still fantasy playoffs, but I, I don't know how I feel about Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's going to be on a roll. I don't think they take him out of the field for him. They're, yeah, I don't think, if, if Nick Chubb is rolling, they're not going to bring Kareem Hunt in to take over. Kareem Hunt, one of the best graded running backs the last last year and the year before. Um, he definitely is worth to be a number one running back, but there are a lot of factors going around, like current events that are happening in the NFL with possible holdout of the Dallas Cowboys, possible holdout for well for Zika Elliott for the Cowboys, and Melvin Gordon for the Chargers. Who's to say that they're not going to trade away Kareem Hunt throughout the season? There, There's plenty of options around that need a running back. Tampa Bay, uh, Dallas Cowboys if there's a complete holdout, Chargers if there's a holdout. Uh, Texans, if if Lamar Miller is performing as a below average running back like he always does, <laughs> but if they need to get some kind of value out of him, trade him away, get a draft pick, get some money. I think that more often than not, Nick Chubb's going to remain on the field throughout the whole season, and 
Hunt, bold statement. He'll get traded away before he even gets a chance to be that number one or take away touch from Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. Now, what what I think about Hunt is I think he stays with Cleveland um, throughout the whole season, um, especially if they trade Duke Johnson. I mean, after Nick Chubb, then at that point, there's not really anyone besides, like, Dontrell Hilliard or whatever. So, (laughs) I think they hold on to Hunt. But I do think that after this year, they use him as... They can use him as trade bait. They can use him as investment and trade him away for something else in the future. So, I I think that's why you sign a guy like Hunt for not even a million dollars because there's zero risk involved. So, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I can see that. Dontrell Hilliard. Who the hell is that? Who the hell is Dontrell Hilliard? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, if you guys want to do just a a full accents uh podcast, just let me know. Send me send me a message, and we'll get on that. I mean, we can yeah. we can do a whole podcast as Yoda, and well, I don't even know what voices I can do that don't sound racist because a lot of them oh. are like. <laughs> Well, no, it's not racist. It's just a lot of them sound like uh, like different languages or different cultures, and I don't want to do that and offend anyone. You got one chip today, baby. But anyway, let's go on to David. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I think we're I think we're gonna end up doing uh, just the AFC North, and then gonna break it up into two podcasts and post that. But that's, that's fine. fine. But um, so David Joku. He's someone who had just shy of 90 targets last year. He had over 600 yards, four touchdowns. Um, but, I mean, look, I, I have him as a border. I don't know if you saw my rankings last night. I, fresh Friday night. I don't remember. Life is crazy. But I have him as a border top five tight end only because of his upside on a high-powered offense. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just what it boils down to for me. Uh, he's he's had some issues with drops in his career. Hopefully, he can improve on that. But overall, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he had over 800 yards, maybe more so in the touchdown department. I don't think he's going to hit 1,000. He's not at that level yet. But, um, I, I mean, he's the starting tight end in a great offense. He, he had uh, They drafted him in the first round a couple years ago. And, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of... That that's it. That that's what I want to say about that. <laughs> that that's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, that's what Mama said. Uh, but, but with David and Joku, I I do agree. I could see him being explosive a lot of games, but um, in the same be- same thing is that he could be quite inconsistent because there's so many weapons mm-hmm. around him. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry will will tell demand the ball like give me the damn ball because Baker Mayfield will have to target Beckham will target Landry keep those superstars happy and Joku I think there's going to be another year of development for him um and there's a lot of weapons surrounding him again tar- getting those targets so I don't expect crazy numbers I'm seeing maybe 725 yards on the uh, uh, 725 receiving yards and then six to seven uh touchdowns which is decent um but his value for me is a lot more matchup based and his ranking for PPR would help him out a lot more. And now when I say outside the top five, I mean like total when he's going to finish during the season. Cause he could have, I mean, look at Tyreek Hill last year. Tyreek Hill can have five 40 point games and five games under 10 points, but he can still finish with the wide receiver one. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Let's let, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not going to finish as a, mm-hmm. as a top eight tight end, but I'm, people know me if you if you guys are listening and you know know me from fancy gridiron i'm a man of consistency i want a water i would rather take a tight end that he's a consistent man he says i want a (laughs) tight end that gets between uh at least nine to nine to eleven uh targets and gets those gets those gets those receptions so that's why i'm like "Eh, i can't i can't take that when there's so many other weapons surrounding him but to each his own I like Njoku. I like his athleticism. Um, even back to University of Miami, he was quite quick. Didn't he run like a four-five? Something crazy like that. I remember he was. He did really, really well at the combine. He's got a nice jump too. <laughs> his vertical is pretty, pretty damn good. He played. He played basketball for the University of Miami. So, yeah, sure. I, I like Njoku, <laughs> but uh, if you can get him in the seventh round, you're sure take take that fire. But I'd rather you make sure to get that handcuff and play those matchups for tight end. 
Um, right. So moving on to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so we got Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, some massive a wide receiver core, and then Mark Andrews to talk about. So starting with Lamar Jackson, uh, do you see him as a top 10 running back, or do you think he needs a couple years before he gets into the groove? Did I just hear what I thought I heard right there? <laughs> yeah. Did I really just hear top 10 running back? Oh, like, gosh. Uh, I don't know what to think about Lamar Jackson. At first, when we went into the offseason, I really did like him. And then you look at uh, the fact that he still can't throw an accurate ball. And then you say, okay, well, that's kind of important for a quarterback. Maybe you should take him down a few pegs. And then you look at Greg Roman and his uh, how much he actually rushes the ball and how that could help Lamar Jackson have success. And you're like, okay, let's put him back up. And then you look at how Greg Roman's quarterbacks have actually finished and how none of them have, like, it's very rare for them to finish within the top 15. And then you take him back down a few pegs. And then his rookie wide receiver starts the season on the NFLI, the NFI, uh, and then you take him down again. So I don't know where the hell I am with Lamar Jackson. He's um, usually running quarterbacks, rushing quarterbacks. They have a lot of success early on. So I think he's definitely have, he's got that going to him. But he still needs to be able to be a dual threat, and uh, they they just they just don't have the offensive weapons to kind of take the pressure away from. I, I mean, what's stopping the other team from just stacking the box every single game? Uh, yeah, I I, I understand. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at your rankings, man. Boy, 23. Man, if I was Lamar Jackson, I want to backhand you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what the biggest but, thing is? Like I said, it's so hard to rank quarterbacks right now. I mean. Lamar Jackson, I, I could still see him as a top 15 quarterback. But it's just like those guys in front of him are not far away from him at all. It's really just about guys I like better and I feel safer taking. Um, there's upside with Lamar Jackson for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're 23 and I ranked him 14th. A lot wow. of people, come, like a lot of haters said, what in the world do you have a running back as, as a top 15 QB? I'm like, oh my God. There we go. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off right here, throw some throwing some shots, uh, not at you, just at the haters for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson last year did not throw over 200 passing yards out of the games that he started from week 11 to 16. For only one game he did, and even not throwing over 200 passing yards, he still finished with 18.6 fantasy points per game when he started. And then between week 11 to 17, he finished as the QB seven for those weeks total that's a high number and, yeah it's very high and you can get if you're drafting him currently adp he's being drafted between the 13th to 16th rounds oh man my mouth was just watering at this situation <laughs> with 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 his rpo like you're talking about this office coordinator yes they're still going to utilize the rpo read pass option with they added mark ingram they still have gus edwards now lamar jackson even to his days back in louisville he didn't really target the wide receivers that often. It was more of tight ends. His rushing ability really helped out. And then once Brown is in Hollywood Brown, whenever he does decide to show up because of his injury, he's going to be that outside explosive wide receiver. Uh, and that'll definitely help out. He'll probably show up like the week two, week three, week three of the of the actual regular season. But Ravens tend to utilize the tight end spot more that's why they have mark andrews they ha- they have hayden hurst they have uh, was it doyle you saw doyle uh right now they have yeah nick doyle nick boyle oh, oh sorry i just want to say oh doyle oh doyle rules no um <laughs> <laughs> anyways but they don't really need to have the best wide receiver core to support lamar jackson because lamar jackson again doesn't really care he doesn't really target the wide receivers that often they the, he targets the slot wide receiver a lot. That's why Willie Sneed was actually a thing last year again. So A lot Lamar meaning Jack- however many times he actually throws per game. Sure, yeah, whenever he does throw. And Lamar Jackson does have a decent arm. He just needs to have the correct system surrounding him. He just needs him. to throw it in the right direction. <laughs> sure, sure, let's say that. Throw in the right damn direction. But <laughs> even if he doesn't throw for 225 yards, 240 yards... I am still expecting him to put up at least 55 rushing yards per game. and if That's he five points right off the bat. Yeah, and that's a lot of points. And Turns one of those RP, into a touchdown. That's over 10 points. Yeah, and that's just from not even passing. From not even passing. So 
you can see this quarterback averaging two touchdowns per game, one in the one in the passing, one in the rushing, and you got yourself a great running back at the quarterback position. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, like I said, there's a lot of pluses to Lamar Jackson and uh, rookie, uh, not rookies, but rushing quarterbacks usually have a lot of success early on. So I might have to move Lamar Jackson a little higher, but it's just, it's more so like, do I feel safe taking him? Because the higher you put him, the more likely you have to take him as your quarterback one. And but right, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, you're going to have to take him as your QB one. People were, like, at the beginning of the draft season, people were, were sleeping on Kyler Murray and being like, hey, ooh, I'm going to draft him in like the 12th to 13th rounds. Now we're seeing him getting snatched up in the 8th damn rounds. I'm like, what happened? What happened to my fantasy value? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> now, just really quick, on the actual running back for the team. Yes. If Mark Ingram <laughs> is the... <laughs> If Mark Ingram is the sole heir to the running back throne, right? If he's the starting running back, it's not a committee. Can you see him as a top 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 ten running back? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I could see him definitely doing it. And with with the biggest thing is is that when Joe Flacco took like took off the reins was not the number one quarterback. When they brought in Lamar Jackson, the when Gus Edwards was averaging around 4.8 yards per carry to 5.1 yards per carry. With the two weeks that he did play, because I believe Edwards had an injury, when Lamar Jackson and him were both on the field, he went up to 6.6 yards per carry to 6.2 yards per carry with that RPO offense. So that that speed read option really helps out both the quarterback's rushing ability and the, the running back's rushing ability. It really helps open up the running lanes for those running backs. So I could see Ingram and Edwards doing quite well, but Ingram being that number one, they signed him for for a reason. He could definitely sneak up on people and current ADP between fourth and fifth rounds, which is quite quite cheap for me. I'd definitely take him as as a cheap RB two or a flex spot mm-hmm. with elite elite upside. Um, now, this is only he's going to be a little bit more effective in in standard leagues because. He's not a receiving back. They have Kenneth Ooh, Dixon still. Well, yeah, he's a good receiving back, but they don't utilize the Baltimore Ravens don't re- utilize a running back in the receiving game that often. They have Kenneth Dixon there for the reason for, for that spot. They're QB. They're RB one and RB two. They don't. They don't. You RB one and RB two. They usually don't utilize those receiving back. Well, well like what you're saying, the run pass option. I mean, I think that can work to his advantage as well. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I mean, I think, um, like you said, I mean, I think Mark Ingram is definitely capable in the passing game, and I think they're going to try to use, utilize him a little more. And like you said, J- Jackson does like to use his running backs in the passing game. Uh, Kenneth Dixon, though, he's been someone, I, I, I agree, he's someone they've been trying to get involved for years through countless suspensions, countless injuries. It seems like every time he starts the season, it's like, all right, he's going to be suspended or injured by week one, and then it happens. So uh, we're not betting on that, obviously. But my yeah. whole my whole point with Mark Ingram is, I the only reason I'm not too too high on him is because there could be a committee, and that's why before I said if there's no committee, Mark Ingram, I think I, I agree he could be a top ten running back. But the fact of the matter is they have Justice Hills who they drafted. Guess Gus Edwards is still there from last year, and like you said, Kenneth Dixon is there, and they've been trying to get him involved for years and years and years. So I don't think it's he's going to have the sole heir to the running back throne, but I think he'll see a majority of the touches. And if he does see that passing down work, then I, I think he's a pretty safe top 15 running back too. So, yeah. Now, just real quick, looking at the wide receivers, is there anyone outside of Marquise Brown that you want to mention? Um, Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed? You like, you like Willie Sneed? I like Willie Sneed and Chris Moore. Chris Moore is starting to de- start develop as a great wide receiver one, but Willie Sneed is that slot slot right now wide receiver, and that's more of a deep sleeper. If you want to get a wide receiver five, wide receiver wide receiver six with wide receiver two upside, um, on obviously on a weekly basis, it always mm-hmm. depends on matchup. Um, Willie Sneed could definitely sneak up on you, but you don't have to draft him. I don't expect any wide receiver from the Ravens to be drafted this upcoming year unless you pull the trigger on Hollywood Brown. But yeah. Willie Sneed, pretty decent for a very, very deep league. There's someone on the Ravens' depth chart. I really I, – I used to have on my dynasty team. Um, oh, I think I know who you're about to talk about, but go Jordan ahead. Jordan Lasley. 
that yeah, one. so Jordan Mosley, he was drafted last yeah drafted last year <laughs> as a rookie, and the whole talk of the offseason was him and Lamar had great chemistry. Um, he got injured uh, in the start of the season. He didn't really play too many snaps at all. Wasn't really involved in the offense, but he's still on the team. And I've only seen great things about his progress. And, uh, I mean, if he does have that chemistry with Lamar and Marquise Brown misses the first six games of the season, is there a chance Lasley steps as as the wide receiver one? And, like, look, what is the wide receiver one at Baltimore worth? Maybe, like, maybe they get drafted instead of not getting drafted. <laughs> maybe, but, maybe. And there's other guys. Like you said, Willie Sneed in the slot. And Chris Moore has been developing really well, at least what we've been hearing from the coaches. So uh, nothing's sh- a sure thing with any of these wide receivers. Um, in Dynasty, I am trying to pick up or buy incredibly low on Jordan Lasley because he is really, really young. And he has established that connection with Lamar last year in the offseason. So if the, if he sees more opportunity and he's on the field, I think he could be uh, someone. Someone look to at least stash in Dynasty and see if he can give you value at any time during the future. So just, mm. just uh, something to mention there. But just a little bit, just a little bit. Mark Andrews. Oh. I mean, if he's gonna throw to anyone, right? Yeah. It's gonna be Mark Andrews. He had good chemistry with Mark Andrews last year. They, they really kicked it off towards the end of the season. And it's funny because I remember when the Ravens drafted. Uh, they drafted Hayden Hurst and they drafted Mark Andrews last year, both two tight ends. I think it was within the first two or three rounds. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> it's funny, like Ozzie Newsom went out with a bang, <laughs> drafting two, draft as a tight end himself, drafting two tight ends in the first three rounds. There was last uh, last time as a GM. I thought it was pretty funny, but um, yeah, I I I did like Mark Andrews as more of the pass catching tight end last year, and I was really hoping he'd end up in a better spot. But he, he's coming too. He's he's beating out Hayden Hurst for that starting tight end position. Hayden Hurst, we don't want to count him out because he was their first round pick last year. He's also a great all around tight end. He can block, he can catch, he can do it all. So that does hinder Mark Andrews a little bit. But I like Mark Andrews as a top fifteen tight end just for the upside. I mean, he he could be the number one target in Baltimore. Yeah, and he he, he can. I'm looking. Uh, I'm researching him and. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at his game logs, and he he does do well. He's very explosive. He kind of reminds me of a George Kittle type of, of uh, receiving tight end. Uh-huh. Um, he had that one game where he got one reception, and he put up 74 yards on that one damn reception. I remember that play, too. I had him on and, my fantasy team that week. Yes, yes, yes. Where are the, all the other targets, my friend? But he still <laughs> put, up, put up for PPR 8.4 yards, 8.4 fantasy points. We Like we're saying... RPOs, that RPO offense that will be utilized for the Baltimore Ravens, they target the tight end early and often because the linebackers will be shifted in and kind of sucked into the to the run play, and they'll leave that spot wide open for the tight end right up on the right in the to the seam for Mark Andrews to be utilized. Now, like keyword, Hayden Hurst is a better pass, a better blocker. Andrews. He is not a blocker in any shape or form. Yeah, he he can't block to save his life, and expect both Hayden Hurst or or was it Boyle Boyle or Hurst on the field at least once, and then Andrews and will be there lined up in the slot as kind of like a hybrid wide receiver tight end hybrid. So I like I like Andrews. He does have definitely has top top fifteen top twelve upside, but unless something again I'm not no one's asking for for injuries nobody is but. Barring an injury for the tight end spot, Andrews needs more snap, a larger snap count to be leaned upon as a as a tight end one. So, yeah, and he's, ho- he's, hopefully we'll see that, especially because the the Ravens saw how much he was able to help Lamar Jackson last year, um, and I mean he's he, he's Mark he's uh, Lamar Jackson's best weapon right now. So, I think the, the Ravens are going to keep the only weapon, the only damn weapon. <laughs> but so I think he's going to stay on the field. And even if they want to get a guy like Hayden Hurst or uh, Nick Boyle out on the field to block, then I think they have no problem running two tight end sets, especially with the lack of wide receivers that they have. So, you, do you want to hear something crazy? Want to hear something crazy? Tell Noah Fant is being drafted. You're, Noah Fant is being drafted <laughs> earlier than than Mark Andrews right now per ESPN. Now I know you like Noah Fant, but I don't okay. agree with that. That's... <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I do. But let, that's a, that's for another episode, my friend. That's mm-hmm. okay, baby. Yeah, that's that's another episode. There you go. <laughs> but all right, so I think that wraps up the first three teams, and we have one more team left: oh, the Cincinnati Bengals. This shit show. I mean, what? Sorry, um, they're they're just such. I I love like Bengals fans. I know you guys are listening because all y'all very very uh. Yeah, very passionate. I'm going to be real here. Your opposite line is deteriorating every week, every second of every single day. And I was so high on your opposite line this year. And then all of a sudden, Jonah Williams, your first round pick, is now gone. Your guard decided to be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. He's like, yeah, probably not a good idea. (laughs) So, ugh, I'm just, go ahead. I'm just, ugh. Yeah, so um, starting for the quarterback position, I originally had, like what you said with the offensive line, I had Andy Dalton as a deep sleeper this year. I thought, uh, especially with the weapons that he has with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd alone, he could, with that offensive line and Joe Mixon, he could be a top 20 quarterback. Uh, It's a really deep position, obviously. But now with that line being depleted as it is, I'm not too high on Dalton. He's not someone I'm considering anymore. Um, But like I said, he still has A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, so... If you're in a two QB league and you want him as like your fourth quarterback, <laughs> oh my god, Jesus, that's how deep we're getting here. Your fourth quarterback you're drafting, I wouldn't mind that. I think he'd be a great quarterback four, quarterback three, maybe plug and play if you need to. I don't know, but um, that that's just what I feel about Dalton. I mean, do you have anything different on Dalton? Dalton, there's there there are weeks. He's a he's again. If you wait on a quarterback. Like, you really, really wait on a quarterback, and you're one of those people that draft your quarterback in the 14th to 16th rounds, and you have that. You're probably not even going to draft Dalton. But if your quarterback decides to not perform and you drafted him that late, then you're going to have to look at Dalton for weekly matchups. And he can perform well against a weak secondary. Any quarterback can if he has a decent amount of weapons surrounding him, and Dalton does. He has the likes of Mixon, Green, Boyd, Eifert. He has those weapons. And with the new head coach and Zach mm-hmm. Taylor, the former quarterback coach, he can finally a more offensive-minded head coach. Let's be real here. I, I, I'm sorry. I hate you, Lewis. And um, you know what's funny? Actually, just while we're on that subject real quick, uh, when I was writing my review on Joe Mixon, so the Bengals have a, they, their first offensive-minded head coach since Bruce Coslett in 2000. Who the hell is that? Exactly. So, <laughs> so the Bengals haven't had an offensive-minded head coach since the year 2000. It's been Marvin Lewis for way too long. I think before that it was like Dick LeBeau or something like that. But uh, all defensive-minded coaches. So, mm, and their offensive and their head co- and their uh, offensive coordinators have always left. They, there's never been a consistent amount of offensive coordinators for more than three years. Yeah. Hugh Hugh Jackson, Jake Rudin. Nah. Nah. I'm good. I'm good. But Andy Dalton, again, weekly matchup based quarterback. He could do well in DFS for you a week, and then he can. I just. You can't rely on him as your QB1 or not even a QB2 because of how inconsistent this man is. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't trust. And like we said, this is like someone you're looking for really, really late if you're even looking at all. So. Um, definitely not someone we're targeting. <laughs> Now, going into some of the other positions, let's just get the tight ends over with. We don't want them. Uh, sure. Let's go. Let's go with the tight ends. Tyler Eifert. I like him. I like Tyler Eifert. I. He's just. He I, I, I like the person. He's, like he's a nice Glass. guy. He's a nice guy. He's Mr. Glass. I. I'm so upset that he is always injured all the time, and it's not his fault. Um, but Tyler Eifert is like six foot five, great hands. He's very touchdown dependent because there's AJ Green and Tyler Boyd there, but it's just I, you're drafting him for nothing now. Now let's just say hypothetically, although okay. probably not hypothetically, Tyler Eifert goes down to an injury. <laughs> Do we like CJ Uzama or Drew Sample? I mean, if anyone, I, I would hope they drafted Drew Sample in the second round. So I'd hope maybe he has a chance to see a role on that offense. But even at that point, he's a rookie tight end, and he's got that rookie wall, and 
who knows how involved it'll actually be and how good this offense will be. So I don't know. It, not not anyone in the tight end position that I'm really looking at. No, not at all. Look, Uzoma can have decent games, but when statistics have shown, when Tyler Eifert is off the field, the wide receiver two thrives for the Bengals. So that's why Boyd will do a lot better. And I'm if Eifert's not on the field, I don't want anything to do with those, that tight end position. Whatever, whatever. Like not whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, Eifert isn't even someone who's being drafted. So these are all just... If you don't want to draft the Bengals, that's fine. They'll all be there when you're done. <laughs> so, gonna, Honey, we're going to leave the leftovers over there for the corner. Oh, what do we have for leftovers? We have the damn Bengals. I'm good, honey. Bye, Mom. I'm good, honey. <laughs> so let's jump into the positions that matter. Uh, running back, Joe Mixon. I still have him as the top 10 running back, even with the offensive line being depleted because that's what he had to work with last year and now he just has a better offensive coordinator slash head coach so um as far as joe mixon he still had 4.9 yards per carry with the offensive line they had last year he had over a thousand yards he had breakout season it was great he saw a ton of uh a ton of snaps and i don't with marvin lewis gone i don't i don't think Giovanni Bernard plays that big of a role. I think he's definitely a great, uh, great handcuff still. And they do have two rookie running backs who have a decent amount of upside as well in case Joe Mixon does go down. But, um, yeah, I mean, even with the offensive line being a little more depleted, I'm not totally off Mixon. And I think he's still great in the passing game. So is there anything else you want to add with the running backs? Um, the one biggest concern, I, I love Joe Mixon. I love his skill set. I keep on saying skill set. But I love I love the kind of running back that he is. He's a lot more versatile. He's an all around type of running back. He's not just a ground and pounder. He's very shifty. He's good in the receiving game too. If he didn't punch that girl in college, I'm not trying to make make light of what he did. If he didn't have those those personal issues, he would have been a first round, maybe top fifteen draft pick. Yeah. Uh, but he has. I don't want to say elite talent. God, I like I like the talent. Um, sorry if you guys know who I'm talking about, but I, I like the skill set that he has, and I like the talent. But I think the biggest thing, even with Jonah Williams being gone, I think the the biggest issue is Clip Bowling being gone. Uh, last year, the Bengals were top seven in running the power, so pulling the guards definitely helped out. And the loss of Clip Bowling, that elite All Pro guard, can cause issues with that success rate for the pull for the for that power. So hopefully the other guys can step up. Um, John Jerry's the only other left guard there, and then you could have the one Christian Westerman. I I remember hearing Christian Westerman. Uh, let me sign and see what he see how he's doing. He got drafted in the 2016 round five. I can't really trust any of the other guards. So I with Bowling gone and with Williams gone, I'm gonna. Drop my projections for Mixon on the rushing yards, probably a hundred. So I'm saying around one thousand one hundred and forty yards rushing. He's going to be leaned upon a little more in the receiving game, so it'll balance out. Still a good RB one to pick up. Uh, he's sliding to the mid second rounds again. Uh, so like sixth or seventh pick of the second round, you can pair him with another good running back or make him as your RB one. But I am concerned now with Bowling gone. That's like I don't even care about Jonah Williams anymore. I I'm concerned because bowling is gone. Yeah. So I mean, sounds like we're both like excited yet concerned. <laughs> yeah. Like I am. I'm excitedly concerned. And so now we did agree this podcast is almost over. We only have one more position to talk about. We have AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross. Maybe I don't know. Oh but now what's your what's your feeling on aj green i i I don't remember if what your ranking was on him but i have aj green still ranked just outside the top 10 wide receivers where do you have though top 10 you have him top 10 heck yeah nice absolutely so people man i i said this in my lives all the time and people do agree with me they're just like oh wow really when a player an elite player at that is not on the field out of sight, out of mind. They don't pay attention to them. They forget about them. And they're, then they all of a sudden decide to focus on the bad, 
the reason why they weren't on the field. Oh, he had an injury. Oh, so he's getting old. The boy's only 30 years old. What is wrong with you? He's not like Larry Fitz. He's not like 35 years old. He's still in at the end of his prime, but he's still in his prime. Through week one to week eight, A.J. Green performed as the wide receiver eight. And he's currently getting ADP. Like His ADP is currently like the mid to late third rounds. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and I think one another thing about AJ Green is he's still playing at a very high level. Even in I, a lot of people were concerned about his injury because he had surgery on his toe. Yeah. But um, if anything, the surgery on his toe actually helped him uh, because I, I was talking to Fantasy Docs, and one of the things he mentioned with the toe was that um, when, when he came into that one game and then he got off the field, right? Uh-huh. You know how for Julio Jones right now he's still de- dealing with the same toe injury? Really? Yeah, there's there's reports of him still having issues with his turf toe after all that time. But because <laughs> the thing about that is it it lags and not lags, but it stays with you and it doesn't go away and until progressively over time a very large amount of time it gets better. But the thing with AJ Green is he had that issue. He went back on the field and he actually just tore it. So yeah. you, you know how, like, a complete ACL tear is better than, like, a partial tear? Yeah. So it's kind of the same situation with this toe. He kind of tarsh- part, uh, completely broke it or completely tore the area, and now he had surgery, and it's going to be a non-issue going forward in the future. Uh, the recovery time, obviously, is longer, but the after effects, and uh, it, it won't be an issue in the future. So that was just something interesting he told me about A.J. Green. And it's funny because he was talking about it. He said, like, oh, it's it's actually good he came out of that game and tore his foot. It's never good to get injured like that, but it actually helped him in the long run. So um, I, I think he's still playing at a high level. And then with Tyler Boyd, I mean, a lot of people don't want to go with Tyler Boyd because of A.J. Green, but Tyler Boyd actually had a higher points per game when A.J. Green was on the field. Mm-hmm. So helped, helped out a lot. So I think Tyler Boyd can still offer you, like, low wide receiver two value, especially in PPR. So, uh, is there anything else you want to add? Um, one, one, for the wide receiver situation, I, I, I implore all of you who are listening, draft A.J. Green. For the love of God, draft him. If you go running back, running back, and it's the third round, and you, like, and I, even if T.Y. T. Hilton's there, you better draft A.J. Green because you're going to miss out on a, an elite top eight wide receiver there, and you're going to kick yourself for it. By the so, way, how's that defense looking for the Bengals? What? What defense? What are you talking about? Exactly. I mean, they had the worst, if not one of the worst defenses in the league last year. And I don't think they really did too much to change that, besides get rid of their defensive-minded head coach. So <laughs> That's actually not going to help at all. Their secondary was, like if you saw my post mm-hmm. about uh, weakest defenses against quarterbacks, they are the weakest defense against quarterbacks they are dead last across the board for quarterbacks giving up yardage points touchdowns and people are going to say but we were injured all the time you also didn't do anything to to solve to resolve that situation you didn't get a secondary you didn't get any cornerbacks you don't even have a good linebacking core anymore the only thing that you have is a decent front four you have geno atkins and carlos dunlap that's it who else do you have no one yeah, so I mean, like, the reason we're bringing this up is because it'll cause the Bengals into more shootouts. You know, if that look at what the Buccaneers did last year. So, um, not saying the Bengals are going to be this year's Buccaneers, but just saying that they are going to be in a lot of passing situations, and AJ Green's definitely going to have a ton of opportunity. So, uh. They're gonna, they're gonna be the Bucks. They're gonna be the Bucks this year. I'm gonna be real. <laughs> <laughs> then we should be at drafting Andy Dalton <laughs> first couple. Of years. No. Steal your soul. But yeah, I think that's gonna end it for the AFC North. Um, like I said, we're gonna break this up into two podcasts and uh, try to get that out as soon as I can. But um. Yeah, thank you guys for joining. And if you aren't already, make sure, again, you're following Fantasy Gridiron on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, you will be joining me for the AFC South episode, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, stay tuned for that as well. And we'll see you guys next time. Anything else you want to add? Bye.
Bye. That's all good. Make sure, make sure to subscribe, guys. Uh, make sure, make sure to uh, leave a review for the podcast for analysts. He works very hard. He definitely deserves this. Deserves a good review from you guys. Uh, and sure I could use money for a new setup. Mm, he needs a better cor- uh, He needs a better computer. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little while to get started, but that's all right. Yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll create an advertisement for you. In the arms of no, we're good. <laughs> but yeah, you need you need a better better uh, computer. It's all good. But yeah, uh, guys. Thank you guys for, for hopping on. Um, if you guys do come check me out, if you don't know me, I appreciate you. Um, I do talk to you guys. I'm good friends with analysts. You are in good hands here. So make sure to listen up. You can listen to this on while you're driving. You can listen to here sitting while you're going to school. Wherever it is, it's some good information. So make sure to subscribe. Make sure to, to uh, favorite, like, and review. Help support his page. Help support his podcast because this boy, he, he grinds. This boy. We all grinding out here, but that's all right, boy. <laughs> all right, on that odd note, um, thank you guys for joining, and we'll see you next time. Peace.